The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, welcome to everyone who gathers here today in the name of Jesus. The lectionary text for our sermon today is from Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 through 32. And as is our practice during this series, at the end I'll say the word of the Lord and invite you to respond back, thanks be to God. Genesis 32. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome Jacob says, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Penel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near that tendon. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, for your word, we give you thanks. For there is no life apart from your word. You tell us in your Holy Scriptures, the world came into being by you speaking. So speak to us again. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to follow. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. In the name of Jesus, amen. Over the course of my life, faith has looked like a lot of different things. I've been to the mountaintop. In fact, I've experienced the kind of faith and passion and emotion where I felt like I could move mountains. I've been at places in my faith where not only did I go to late service, I went to early service as well because I couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough Bible study or time in fellowship. I just couldn't get enough of all of that. And then there's been moments 
or I didn't want to go to church at all. I wasn't in the mountaintop, I was the valley. I've experienced faith as just going through the motions, not feeling much, and yearning for those days of passion again. I experienced faith in which I had no energy or no excitement or mo- no motivation for what I did, but I just did it anyway. I struggled my way through. I've sat in hospitals and at funerals. I've experienced faith that suffered. And I've asked the question, God, where are you? I've had moral failures that seemed to hang me up. I couldn't just get past it. I just couldn't do enough. I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get right. I've hurt people. And people have hurt me and they've let me down. And it's left me to wonder, what's this all about? What are we doing? Is it worth it? I've struggled with fears about the future. I've struggled with the guilt of my past. I've struggled with the burdens of the present. And I've had my doubts about God all along the way. A few weeks ago, I got a text message from Jason Henley. He said I could share this. He texted me one Sunday morning. I think he was sitting here listening to our worship team prepare. And he was listening to the songs. And he, I got this text message. And he says, we sing about faith. We sing about trust. We sing about leaning on God. But in essence, he says this. He goes, but what does that really look like? a good question. And it's a question I've been playing over and over in my mind for the last few weeks. As we come to Genesis 32, our lectionary text, this is a text I've been playing over and over in my mind for the past few weeks as well. Anticipating an encounter with Esau, Jacob finds himself alone after sending his family across the sea or across the river. And there is this stranger, this man, that attacks him at night. Come to find out later, this is is God, or at least an angel representing God. But Jacob doesn't know that. And the man wrestles Jacob throughout the night. And what's interesting is the man cannot overpower Jacob, so he touched his hip socket which caused Jacob immense pain. But Jacob was still able to handle the man. The man asked to be released before daybreak so that his identity wasn't revealed since he's a stranger and came in unannounced and Jacob didn't know who he was. He asked to be released before daybreak. And so taking the opportunity, Jacob began to negotiate for the man's release. And he asked for a blessing. 
I won't let you go until you give me a blessing, Jacob says. Interestingly, the man just changes the subject. And he asked Jacob, he doesn't know his name, but he asked for his name. He said, what's your name? Jacob gives him his name. He says, my name is Jacob. And then the man says, you will no longer be called Jacob. But your name will be Israel. For you've struggled with God and humanity. And you've overcome. So in response to this, Jacob says, what's your name? It's odd that the Stranger responds with a question, why do you ask me my name? Then he gives him what he asked for at the beginning. He gives him a blessing. And the sun rises, and this man who we come to find out is God is released. Without revealing his name or his identity. And Jacob names the place Penal because he has seen the face of God and did not die. And Jacob walks away with a limp. This is an odd text. And there's a lot of odd text in the Bible, but this has to be one of the oddest, right? Walter Bergman is a new sorry, he's an Old Testament scholar. He he says this. He goes, people who study the Old Testament make the best teachers because they have the best material to work with. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, we maybe can imagine this, but we typically don't think about God as coming in the middle of the night like a thief or a robber and attacking someone. That's not how we think of God. And perhaps the most oddest part about the text is where he touches his hip, which is just odd. But what makes it more odd is that when I have always heard that he touches the hip, I usually think about he touches the outside of the hip. But that's not what the Hebrew alludes to. We think about him touching the outside of his hip, and what it's really saying is that he touched the inside of his hip. Yes, it's exactly what you think it is. God attacks his manhood. If that's not odd and awkward for a sermon, I don't know what is. <laughs> but like I said, it's in the text. You can't make this stuff up. And by the way, I imagine Israel reads this story and they kind of awkwardly shift and chuckle at this story as well. But perhaps this is appropriate that we have to read texts like this. Texts that are odd that are strange. And it's good that we encounter a word from the Lord that's odd and strange because maybe it just matches the oddness and the strangeness of our own lives. 
Because if we're honest, our lives are pretty odd and strange. And if we're really honest, our lives with God are fairly, can be odd and strange. It's odd that God comes in the night. It's really uncanny or chilling. It's haunting. In fact, that's kind of a description of a holy moment. Chilling, uncanny, haunting. God comes without identification as one who might produce fear. But He also comes personally and intimately. He meets us where we are when we're alone and we're most vulnerable, like a Jacob. And not only does He come at night, He comes to wrestle, even attack forcing His presence upon us. But while He comes and attacks and wrestles and forces His presence upon us, He does not overwhelm or overpower. And what's amazing is that Jacob seems to win the contest. Or at least it's a stalemate with God. Even though God tries His best by the end... It's God that says, hey, let me go. I need to get out of here. And Jacob won't let him go. He seems to have the advantage over God. But what's interesting is that Jacob doesn't get God's name when he asks for it. Which means he has no real final authority or power over him, even though he's won the contest. Jacob asks for a blessing, but God changes the subject and instead gives him a new name. And I reflected on that in my own life. How often do we ask God for something in our lives, only discover that God doesn't give it? And just changes the subject on us. But he does ask for a blessing and eventually he gets it. But with the blessing, he walks away with a limp. And he's amazed. He has seen the face of God. But at the same time, He's relieved that he survived the encounter. What an odd picture of an encounter with God. What an odd picture of a relationship with God. And I've got to be honest, I've struggled all week with this text. I actually, when I, when I looked at it, I thought it would be easy I've struggled all week thinking about this text, and I've actually struggled all week thinking about what I'm going to say about this text to you. I've thought about you. So the beauty of the lectionary is that I don't choose the text. I've got to say, what does this word have to say to us? Because this text conceals as much as it reveals. 
And I've struggled to say, I need to say enough, but not too much. But I guess it's appropriate that I've struggled. It's appropriate that I've wrestled with the text. For the very heart of this text is wrestling and struggling. For to encounter God, to have a relationship with God, according to this text, is to wrestle with Him. And we join in with God's people as those who struggle with God. In fact, oftentimes we imagine that what faith looks like is an absence of struggle. But those of you I can hear that are whispering, nope, have walked a long time with God. And a lack of struggle is not a sign of faith. In fact, struggle is a real sign of faith. Struggling with God is a sign of faith. It's what marks God's people. It's how God actually identifies them and says, you have struggled with God and humans, and you've prevailed. Israel's identity is marked by struggle. And God asks Jacob, what's your name in this text? As a prelude to give him the name, right? Which matters for the rest of the story. Because Israel doesn't become Israel until Jacob. God is in the habit of renaming people Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. But it's in this story when God renames Jacob that Israel becomes Israel. And in ancient Near East culture, to name someone or to know someone's name is to know someone's character. And so Jacob, he gives his name to God. When God says, what's your name? Jacob says, my name is Jacob. Which we know if you read back in the story, it's a name that means something like trickster. He deceives. He overreaches. he tricks his father and his brother out of his brother's blessing but god says you'll no longer be called jacob your character will not be defined by that name anymore your name will be israel your name your definition, your character will be defined by this. You've struggled with God and you've struggled with humans and you've prevailed. To encounter God is to wrestle with God. In our text today, to wrestle with God is to be transformed. 
As one commentator, he puts it this way. He says, when Jacob walks out of that encounter with God, a new being has been called forth. He is now a man, but he's more than a man. He's a whole community of people linked not only to a nemesis of the night, but to a promise keeper of the day. Something happens in this transaction between Jacob and God that's irreversible. Israel is something new in the world. And power has shifted between God and humanity. Israel is the one who has faced God, been touched by God, prevailed, gained a blessing, and been renamed. To have a relationship with God is to wrestle with God. And to wrestle with God, to struggle with God, is to be transformed. We are a people who are invited to join with Israel. All of you, all of you in this room that struggle with faith, and if you're honest with each other, if you're honest, you struggle. I struggle. You've been called into this community, you've been called Israel, the one who struggles. With God, humanity is overcome. And I was thinking about this text, if there's anything that it reaffirms, right? That to be people of faith or to be people that struggle with God, here's what it means for us, that I think we could just be honest. I mean, if a text like this affirms your struggles with God, we could just be honest about them. We could be honest to God about our own struggles. We could be honest with each other. We could be honest about our hopes, about our fears, about our anxieties, about our burdens, about our doubts. This new name gives us freedom, to be honest. About who we are and about who God is. And to those of you who've walked a long time with God, you be honest that this relationship with God, it's a worthwhile struggle. You've been renamed. But there's a catch to all this. To be named Israel, the one who struggles with God and struggles with humans and has prevailed. Because a new name comes with a new limp. Jacob walks out limping. He gets the blessing and he gets the new name, but he walks out with a limp. Because in struggling with God, he's come very near to God and he's been blessed. And the blessing and the limp, they go hand in hand.
But to come that near to God, to struggle and come that near to God and receive the blessing comes at a cost. We in Israel are left to wonder how blessings are given and at what cost. We are left to wonder what a close relationship with God looks like, given this text. Let me tell you this. This is an odd text. But this is perhaps Israel's and the church's most mature picture of faith. Perhaps this text, and I know the youth is studying the book of Job, maybe those two texts are the most mature pictures of faith. Because any relationship that we encounter, any relationship that's worthwhile comes with great joy, but you also know it comes with great struggle. Think about your deepest relationships. Think about the blessings they are to you. Think about the struggle that's embedded within them. Jacob asks God's name in addition to the blessing. And all he receives is a question and a limp. God gives him a name. He says, what's your name, God? He says, why do you ask my name? Perhaps it's like when the disciples encounter Jesus in Mark 10. And they want thrones. God, we want you to do for whatever we ask. Give us thrones. Which may be like asking for God's name. Jesus responds by asking them about cups and about baptism and about crosses. Can you drink the cup I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Can you carry the cross I'll carry the disciples say we can he says you will drink that cup you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with and you will carry your cross we are called to be people of faith who struggle and prevail and perhaps like Jacob like Israel like Jesus we might walk away with a find yourself struggling with God you're in good company today our text gives us permission to struggle and if you feel like you're walking with a limp you may just have encountered the Holy One the God of the universe will you stand